0: hello everyone and welcome back to bench busted fpl i am your host for the week jack and as always i am delighted to be joined by the one and only nick nick how are you doing this week game week 35 the triple Game week, yeah, the triple game week. As long as uh, we don't get the game called
1: off between Liverpool and Man United, I know we're actually at Old Trafford live right now. Trying <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been it's been really good. It's been a really good week so far. Um, it started a lot better than it's sort of ending. Uh, I had three Chelsea players yesterday, and they got a combined total of two points, which was a bit de- disappointing. Mega disappointing because so to- like right now I'm actually on 99 points. So it'd have be been really nice if they could have just pushed me over a hundred before we um recorded the podcast. Because right now I still can't say with any sort of sureness that, that I'm gonna get over a hundred, but it's pretty pretty much in the bag. Um yeah, great week. Great week so far. Some of my punts have paid off big time. The the move to get in Fernandez was great. Oh, Jack, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. How how are you doing? How is your week going so far?
0: Yeah, obviously we are still in the midst of the triple game week, game week 35, and we've still got a couple of games to to play later this evening. At the time of recording, we record this on the Thursday, so we've still got the Aston Villa versus Everton and, of course, the postponed Man United versus Liverpool games uh, this evening. But I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I mean... You got ninety nine points. You have taken a minus four. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw that in there because I know that you have taken a minus four, so that would put you down to ninety five points. And the only reason I'm saying that is because I'm currently on ninety eight points with no hits taken. Oh, right. you love you love that just to bring that in. I'm, I'm holding on to the fact that I am just ahead of you. Although I, I think looking at our teams and going into this evening, one thing that stands out is we've pretty much got the same players playing, and what will decide whether or not you beat me this week or I beat you this week will be between the Liverpool fullbacks you have gone all in on Andy Robertson I have gone all in on Trent Alexander-Arnold and I mean we've both got Luke Shaw, Salah, Fernandez captain and Calvert-Lewin as well Calvert-Lewin looking to you know continue on his little goal scoring runner form um, against Aston Villa as I say he did pick up a goal in their first fixture of the double game week for, for Everton I think One thing that needs to be said about this quote-unquote triple game week is that obviously a lot of players were rotated out of the side for the second game for Manchester United against Leicester, which of course they did lose. And and I mean, that did confirm Manchester City as the Premier League champions for 2020-2021. So Manchester City confirmed champions Pep Guardiola winning the Premier League for a third time in four seasons it's it's fantastic for him it's a fantastic achievement for for that Manchester City side and of course we know that winning the Premier League for them is a great achievement but of course Pep Guardiola and his side are playing against Chelsea in the Champions League which is a trophy that has eluded Manchester City for for quite some time and of course eluded Pep Guardiola ever since he has left Barcelona so yeah I mean City champions City are one of those weird teams at the moment they haven't they didn't have the double they now have a bit of a break they don't have to worry about midweek football over the next two weeks or so in the uh, in the run into the end of the season Of course the Champions League final is taking place. Uh, the weekend after the final round of fixtures in the Premier League but is there now an option for any of the Manchester City players looking forward we will of course talk through some of the notable points from Game Week 35 in just a moment but just on the Manchester City front are we looking at any of them or is that rotation risk still just just too much Oh, well, I'm so glad you brought this up because this is actually something that
1: I really wanted to talk about too where we sort of touched on it last week we, we did we did think about the potential for it and the answer is, Jack, uh, maybe. <laughs> I've looked at a lot of analysis. I've looked at a lot of analysis, actually, on um, two players in particular, on on Mares and on Philip Foden. And they're both very explosive and they both love to batter sort of teams that are lower down the league. They don't get very good minutes. And since the Champions League semi-finals and quarterfinals as well, to an extent, have been on, they've been rotated very heavily. But neither of them played at the weekend, I don't think. Or or Philip did Phil Foden come on for a couple of minutes? I don't believe so.
0: I think he did. I I think he came on towards the end of the game against Chelsea. Um, Yeah, that sounds about right. 20 minutes, right? Yeah, the likes of Gundogan as well. But Marez, as you say, Mahrez was fully rested for, for their last two games. Yeah, and they play Newcastle next in the blank game
1: week. Newcastle, who are trying a thing where they attack now, which is kind of strange, but as a result concede some goals. I think that their that left side, the, the side that Mares plays on, is, is, is likely to be exploited. And personally, just, as long as nothing major happens this evening, um, I've got literally like 200 players in the, in, playing this evening. I've got Calvert-Lewin, Coleman, Fernandez, Jota, Salah, Robertson and Shaw still to play. <laughs> as long as none of them get injured, I think that I'm going to be bringing in Mares or Foden, but probably Mares because I think there's a lot of opportunity for a big score and a big differential pick. So to pay off here early days, if if you get on him early, have you been looking at those two? Have you been looking at anyone else actually as well, like uh,
0: the the Torreses or the Sterlings of the world? I just want to say actually, I completely forgot that you had Coleman in your in your team, even though we were talking about it as the lineups were released just before we started recording, and so he could come and uh, allow you to to overtake me in terms of the point scoring this week. Yeah, I'm hoping so. In terms of the Man City assets, I think. Look, there's, there's there's, obviously still that rotation risk. I think the obvious candidates are the likes of, you know, mores who, as I say, has been rested for the last two games. Um, he's always been that, I wouldn't say under-the-radar player, but he's always been that sort of lesser-known attacking asset for that Manchester City side because you know what you're getting with him. He loves to cut inside. Um, he loves to have shots as well, no matter which side he is starting on. I think Foden... It's been fantastic all all season. Surely it's only a matter of time before we see him get consistent game time in the Premier League. I mean, you have to think that Pep has been using him piecewise and of course he believes that he is part of his strongest eleven that he can put out. It's why we've seen him play quite a bit of games in the Champions League ever since they got to the knockout rounds. But you'd like to think that over the next couple of weeks maybe he will uh, experiment with the team a little bit, you know, give game time to players who perhaps weren't getting a lot. I think Gundogan certainly falls into that category. KDB, I heard a report earlier saying that KDB was potentially out of the Newcastle game and and you know what happened earlier in the season when KDB was out for an extended period and, and Gundogan really came to the front um, in that midfield for Manchester City. It's not a guarantee that he's going to do it again and he's going to explode like he did earlier in the season, but uh, certainly some very... Options, enticing options, should I say, in that Manchester City side? If you can, of course, nail down the players who are going to start. And I think, speaking of Manchester City, that game against Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea looked good. Don't get me wrong, but what on earth was Aguero thinking taking that Panenka penalty? I mean, they they could have really put the sword to Chelsea at that time in the match, and he goes and missed the penalty. I mean, I'm amazed and and overwhelmed by the fact that you know Mendy gets a penalty save and and it takes him up to eleven points, and of course Mendy rotated out of the side for. For the second game for Chelsea in the double game week against Arsenal, which they did lose, but Mendy getting eleven points was just fantastic. Yeah, I I always think the reaction to these these panicker penalties are uh, is, is like almost sort of like over the top, where
1: people are like, "What was he thinking? Oh, what was he doing?" <laughs> like, yeah, cool. They do look a bit rubbish when you miss, but they are. They, I think it's just a viable way to 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 take a penalty. Right, you, you're doing the same sort of thing. You're you're trying to misdirect the goalkeeper. Usually when you go left or right and you're taking like a powerful penalty, you're still trying to misdirect them. You're just doing it in a different way. I guess when done skillfully, it's probably a lot easier to execute perfectly every time, right? Although having said that, Man City, I think, I can't remember exactly and and obviously I'm happy to be corrected here, but I think that they have set a record for most penalty misses in a season. Is that right? Or, Or they've set a record for most penalty misses in a season since like the 60s or something like that this season. And and. I think it's been different takers almost every time. I know that KDB definitely missed one. Sterling missed one. They were both in my team when they did that. Um, Aguero obviously missed one. Mares probably missed one. Jesus has definitely missed <laughs> one. So it's it's mad, isn't it? And still, and still, Edison does not take them. I don't think he'll ever take a penalty, to be honest, in, in the prem. And he's definitely not a consideration um, because I think Mares is now on penalties, which is again another reason to get him in, Jack. If if you're if you're so inclined to to punt on an asset. Personally, I think I'd go for Um, That That's who I'm leaning towards.
0: Yeah, I think there's absolutely no doubt about it. And and certainly in the experimentation with my team, as it were, over the last couple of days, uh, gearing up towards the, the, the Friday evening deadline for game week 36, blank game week 36, as you say, I have been sort of toying around with some of the Manchester City assets. And I mean, long story short, at the moment I don't think I have enough funds to be able to afford Morris or or try to even think about getting Morris in my team without catastrophically impacting other areas of my team which I don't particularly want to do considering it's a blank game week so it's because you splashed out on Trent Alexander-Arnold my man instead of getting a bit of Robertson (laughs) that is that is very true I mean I could have saved money a bit money there but I think there are other areas of the team as well that I'm maybe not too happy about speaking of penalties though and another goalkeeper who we both have in our team. Of course, we activated our bench boost chips in Triple Game Week 35. And of course, Luka Milivojevic. I don't know when the last time it was that he missed a penalty. I'm sure that there's some ridiculous stat out there about how he's not missed a penalty since the day he was born. But Forster started. Things were looking a bit down in the dumps after Ben Teke scored and you know wiped out the clean sheet. And then, lo and behold, as I say, Zaha got fouled. Milivojevic stepped up. And forced to save the pen, and you know both of us having two goalkeepers playing, and both of them saving penalties. It was just amazing, mate. Yeah,
1: I don't think there's a. I don't think I had a penalty saved by any of my goalkeepers at all last season. Despite owning Patricio, because I was like, he's really good at saving penalties. Um, to to sort of like friends on the sly, and it's golden, isn't it? What a beautiful bench boost it's been, despite sort of some of the rotation earlier, later on in, in in the second games. Um, God just just beautiful do you own zaha by the way did you get him in in the end
0: no i didn't i didn't my so so my moves going into the game week were what i quite clearly outlined in last week's podcast was uh bringing in james Ward-Prowse for lingard which was a bit of a. I mean got me a couple of extra points fair enough i'll take it but you know i was i was eagerly anticipating a, a set piece goal from southampton um and, and jwp getting in on the action but it wasn't to be and of course i brought in calvert loon as well as i as i mentioned that the uh top of the podcast but I didn't bring in Zahard. the other player that did catch my eye certainly in the in the first game that I was again it was a flip of a coin really between James Ward-Prowse and Erebeti Eze I should have went with my gut I should have went with the hometown boy Erebeti Eze QPR through and through. What a lad! He's fantastic. You know, I, I say that because he's got a a goal and an assist in in their first game against Sheffield United. I think we all sort of knew that Palace were going to win. You know, Sheffield United are a team that a lot of FPL managers are trying to target, and of course we will now until the end of the season as well. But I just think that I should have just trusted my gut with with Eze. I mean, he just looks fantastic on the ball, even if he's not returning. In terms of FPL points, he he just looks so good on the ball. And to be honest, I I think he's a lot better than that Palace side. And to have the likes of him and Zaha in that team, I don't know if it's something to do with Roy Hodgson and the way that he sets up his team, because we know that he is very much a defence-first kind of manager. And it's very rare that Palace will beat teams 3-4-0. But as a credit where credit's due, he was fantastic. Picked up all three bonus points. I think he ended the game week on 16 points again you know him and of course Benteke Benteke picking up a goal in both games as well well I was I was very upset about this Benteke stuff because my
1: planned moves before the announcement of the triple game week where I obviously reacted to the triple game week by ditching my moves and getting in Fernandez to captain him um was to bring in Benteke and captain him for sort of mega mean value amongst other things and um didn't do it in the end because, as I say, had bigger things to do, and it's it's all sort of far. It's a bit of a shame. I think the lesson that we've both learned here, Jack, and me in regards to Benteke, you in regards to Eze, is like this was the like. Sometimes you just got to go for like the really memey picks, you know. You've picked, I think you believe, I, I believe you've picked James or Prowse because you've seen that he's in um, the top echelon of of scoring midfielders, despite sort of costing almost pennies, and you've gone for sort of a, a more historically proven, reliable player who actually. Is very set-piece-based. A lot of his crosses from open play don't work. So um, you have to sort of hope that it goes in your favour on on any particular day when he's aiming for the two cavemen that Southampton play in in, in central defence. But we should have gone bigger. You should have gone for Eze, I should have gone for Benteke, we should have gone for these outrageous differential picks that no one else was considering. People were thinking Zaha, not wild enough, should have gone wilder. The
0: icing on top of the cake was the fact that forced to saved the penalty and then of course Zaha went down and missed out on getting an assist point and then was later on in the game yellow carded. So he only ended up on I think what four points for the game week and I did see some people sticking the armband on him because on paper going into game week I think a lot of FPL managers were looking at you know Sheffield United away Southampton away yes they're two away games but Southampton have been a bit poor recently and Sheffield are a team that Palace should be beating you know three or four or nil um, but uh, for Zaha not to have a hand in any of the goals that they scored a fantastic icing flavour on 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 the so-called FPL cake. Speaking of differentials and and probably one of the biggest differential this week well not probably the biggest differential this week a certain Emil Smith-Rowe for Arsenal picking up two goals across both of their games one against West Brom and of course in the game yesterday evening against Chelsea albeit via a a fairly shocking back pass from Jorginho who put Kepa Ariza Balaga in a bit of a uh, in a bit of a tough spot should we say but Emil Smith-Rowe picking up a goal And a bonus point in the first game, picking up a goal and all three bonus points in the second game. Ending the game week on 19 points. I've been talking about this guy and and just the fact that he's so cheap and so low owned. I think my only issue with him is the fact that he's not been a consistent starter in that side. I think Arteta at the moment now is certainly using a lot more of his youth talent and a lot more of the players that are coming through the club's youth system. I think as well, the fact that he has had his sort of injury difficulties so far this season, he's never really been able to cement a place in that starting lineup. But 100%, I think Emil Smith-Rowe if he's priced appropriately by the FPL gods, next season he could be one to look out for. I, I, I think on a closing note on in terms of James Ward-Prowse, I guess you were half right. You know, you, you do look at James Ward-Prowse and the fact that he is up there in terms of the scoring. One of the biggest reasons why I bought in James Ward-Prowse is because the likes of Rafinha just wasn't available. I didn't have that confidence in Rafinha being back in time for that game against Spurs. And of course, Leeds only having a, a single game week maybe put me off. A little bit, but Rafinha's back. Leeds put in a fantastic display in one of the games, one of the single games of the game week against Spurs. You and I both with Kane, I imagine both of us benched him. And of course, you had Son Son, who scored the only goal for Spurs in that one. But a player that I do want to talk about is Deli Ali. I don't want to spend too much time talking about him, but it does seem like he is perhaps back in contention for a starting role under Ryan Mason. Well,
1: I liked the game. I think the Leeds versus Spurs game was interesting for a number of reasons, because not only did it show us that Leeds are going to continually try to dominate teams, and you're right, Rafinha, I wish I'd stuck with him. He looks brilliant. He came on and he was fantastic, and Bamford looks good too. But Spurs, and I will get to Deli Alley, I promise, (laughs) they sort of demonstrated that they are not being managed by someone who is competent. They demonstrated that they are... Just a bunch of boys who are told to go out on the pitch and just give it your best, guys. And Deli Ali could be a mega beneficiary of that. So so going forward, he he gets a really beautiful assist to Son. And he also just looks good going forwards throughout most of the game. And when it comes to the defensive work, nowhere to be seen, nor is Bale. It's why they've conceded three goals to Leeds, to be honest. I don't think Ryan Mason's going to change that. And I think that there is opportunity here to get to get on this, like, well, if you fancy it, to get on a potential Dele Alley train or a Son train or a Bale train, because they are just going to get told to to go out there and give it their best shot. And those players, Son, Dele Alli and and Bale, will benefit from that. Whereas I think Kane will actually benefit less from it, because I think although he actually... Probably should have had a goal allowed and and had another that was rightly disallowed. I think he's going to become a a deeper lying player, sort of almost back to the Kane playmaker days, where he looks to get on the ball and he looks to release his teammates. And cool, that could provide him with assists, but he was getting the assists when it was him assisting Son when there was no one else around. Now it's going to be him releasing the ball to someone like Deli Ali, to someone like Son or Bale. And then they might also pass to each other. So I think that yes, Deli Ali or Captain Jack Sparrow. I think they're going to be very interesting assets. And and it's a shame that there's only three weeks left uh, in order for us to evaluate it because there's no way Ryan Mason stays after the summer. Um, frankly, Spurs are a crap, but it does give a lot of room for their attackers to potentially return. And yeah, I think Ali's going to benefit a lot from that. Yeah,
0: fair enough. I mean, I think something that I've seen quite a lot of chat about. On on Twitter and on various other social media platforms over the last couple of days, is of course Harry Kane and Mo Salah very much when it comes around to this point in the season, as it has over the last couple of years, they are both very much in the fight for the Premier League golden boot. I think Harry Kane is one goal ahead at the moment on 21 and Mo Salah on 20. Harry Kane, as you say, could have had a goal. In, in that game against Leeds I mean he was I don't even know how to describe how far off side he was because quite honestly looking back at a replay he looked level as all hell I don't want to rant about VAR because I know I've done that quite a bit already so far this season but he should have had a goal and as you say you know his second goal ruled out which was again clear-cut decision there I, I think this is it the clear and obvious rule for the hand balls needs to be applied in terms of the offside because I think that will then, you know, clear and obvious offside. needs It needs to be clear and obvious. You can't have them drawing pixels worth of lines across the pitch and saying, oh yeah, you know, half a millimeter of his boot was offside or, or you know, one of his shoelaces was slightly offside. So therefore that goal can't stand because the ball could have, deflected off the shoelace and went in whatever I don't I don't need any of that am I salty about Kane not getting a goal of course I am I think every Kane owner is going to be salty about it but like I say in the short term yes he does seem to be dropping a bit deeper and allowing the likes of Bale and Son to to run off of him and and ahead of him but I just think that in the running and Spurs of course do have a fairly favourable set of fixtures on the horizon you have to say I mean Wolves at home Villa at home and then Leicester away Leicester not been great defensively as as we've seen Harry Kane will surely find his shooting boots at some point the same can be said about Mo Salah as well Liverpool arguably after the game this evening against Manchester United have one of the most favourable fixture run-ins towards the end of the season West Brom away Burnley away Crystal Palace at home Nick there's only really one question here who do you think is going to be winning the golden boot?
1: Oh, oh, Mohamed Salah. Without an absolute shadow of a doubt, it's going to be Mohamed Salah. And this is the time to own him. If if if, if you haven't owned him, if you don't own him, now's the time, in my opinion, at least. Because um, I know that there's always, you mentioned it, there is a bit of competition between Kane and Salah. And personally, I do think that, that Kane's either going to go back to that sort of that weird playmaker, not playmaker role. He's obviously a striker, but he drops deep a lot. Uh, in order to facilitate Son and Bale. Salah won't be doing that. Salah will be trying to score goals against these teams. And he also has a game in hand against Man United this evening. Who knows what's going to happen there? Imagine if he just pops in a couple of goals. Liverpool need to win out in order to qualify for the Champions League next year. The situation is that Chelsea... Um, well, actually, they lost to Arsenal last night. My understanding is that Chelsea need to win their last two games in order to make it guaranteed for them. But who cares about Chelsea? They're going to win the Champions League anyway. It's all about Leicester. <laughs> um, Leicester need to drop four points, which is very possible because they're playing Chelsea in one of those games. And I think, who is it in the other? Spurs? So it could very much happen. It could be. It's very realistic as, as an opportunity. And Liverpool need to win out. And I think that's really the motivation. Klopp is going to have these boys motivated. They've had rest. They've recovered from their Champions League hangover which has been going on for a while Um, I think that tonight they might make a statement and absolutely batter a United team that are definitely tired whether they like to admit it or not and I think that over the next couple of game weeks they could really kick into a a gear which will probably be too little too late but it won't stop Salah popping them in own
0: him own Jota own Robertson own Trent pick three good luck yeah I mean I couldn't have really said it better myself I think The thing about Salah is because he had such an explosive first season and in terms of FPL, you know, scoring 32 goals, getting 12 assists, 303 points, it was nuts, you know. It's weird to say that his goal scoring has dropped off. I mean, it has. When you look at the stats and you look at the underlying numbers and all of the goals and assists and whatever, they have dropped off a tiny bit. But when you're scoring 15 plus goals across four seasons your first four seasons at a team, it's phenomenal. I think Salah definitely been underappreciated by a lot of pro pundits but just because he hasn't reached the heights that he was at a few seasons ago. Like I say, when he did explode onto the scene into that Liverpool team, he was phenomenal. And I think it's unfair that he is being judged purely based on the comparison of how he performed in that first year. I think Salah is fantastic and, and he has always been fantastic for Liverpool and like I say, such a consistent performer. The additional points in terms of FPL for a midfielder goal compared to a striker goal is is also a bonus as well. I think certainly you and I probably going to be holding on to both of them in, until the end of the season. Although Kane maybe is a bit more prone to perhaps coming out of our teams as opposed to uh, Mo Salah. Jack, I hate to break it to you, but Kane's not in my team anymore. Oh, yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, you took him out for DCL, didn't you? Yeah. See, I keep getting confused about who who you've got in your team. No,
1: it's, it's fair enough. I'm, I'm very flip-floppy on these issues. but um.
0: Well, do you know what it is? It's, it's because we've basically had... A very similar team over like the last 20 weeks or so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we've just been what Nick you're not making the same decisions as me anymore
1: what's going on
0: <laughs> or it's been well you we won't talk about anything throughout the week and then it will come down to us recording this podcast and lo and behold we've made the same transfers without even talking about what transfers are going to make during the week does that mean you're well no you can't you said you can't bring in Mares, which is Oh, criminal, because,
1: boy, does he look good.
0: I don't really think that there's any other standout fixtures. I mean, maybe one team that, as you sort of briefly touched on earlier, Newcastle, again, only playing in a single game week, but to put four past that Leicester side, the seemingly you know reassured Leicester defence, let's say. You know, they, they, they haven't been great this season, but Leicester are in a weird position at the moment, as they were at the similar time last season where they were Gunning for top four, Champions League was on the horizon for them, and then it all sort of crumbled to pieces, as it were, towards the back end of last season. You mentioned it. You know, Leicester are very much a team who are on the verge of of securing a top four spot. Of course, they have currently got a an eight point gap back to West Ham, so West Ham can very much force their way in to the top four. Liverpool. Again, another team that, that can do that, and of course, if Liverpool beat Manchester United later this evening, they will jump back ahead of West Ham into the Europa League spots. It's a yeah, it's just a weird one. Uh, Leicester, as you say, the final couple of fixtures this season, Chelsea and Spurs. I mean, look, Spurs still have very much a, a bit of an outside shot of making it into the Champions League. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that because you know, Champions League may be a bit too far out of their reach but I still think it's I mean I still think it is mathematically doable if results do go their way but it's uh, you know looking more likely that Spurs will try to have to force themselves into a Europa League spot for next season and I think that that's probably the best that they could have hoped for considering the fact that they've gone through a managerial change and the fact that Spurs yeah I mean it was bizarre looking at the table around Christmas time you know Spurs were certainly up there on on the other side of Christmas and, and now it's just sort of again Spurs doing what Spurs do best and getting themselves knocked out of, of European competitions and, and cup competitions and then slowly dropping down the league as uh, I mean it's, it's what they do best and something that they've been doing rather consistently over the last couple of seasons but just to go back to, to Leicester and of course Newcastle as well Wilson scoring two goals in 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 that game I think that there was a lot of chat certainly from myself Maybe not for the up-and-coming game against Manchester City in game week 36, but certainly the two games to finish the season for Newcastle, Sheffield and Fulham, two sides already relegated, Newcastle now safe in the Premier League for next season. But Wilson scoring two goals and he was certainly a player who was on my lips in terms of gaining a a potential transfer into my team. But now he's gone and got himself injured. He did pick up a bit of a knock towards the end of the game against Leicester. And now it's confirmed that he is out for the remaining games of the season. And I don't know, the, the sort of appeal of Newcastle now just sort of falls by the wayside doesn't it
1: well it does a little bit it's quite a disappointing thing because again I'd also considered him I'm looking at the three teams that play Sheffield United which are Everton then Newcastle then Burnley and thinking who are the punts you can get I think on the final day there's loads of opportunity to move from someone like Calvert-Lewin who he has Sheffield United now Wolves afterwards um, are you going to say who i think you're going to say yep to there's opportunity there to move to chris wood who <laughs> i don't know i think they're very short-term statistics and, and they don't tell us a lot about how he's playing but he's good he's just in form sometimes you just get the player and he's scoring a lot of goals right there's opportunity there to do that if you fancy it um if we've learned our lessons instead of going for the chris wood slash zahar-esque pick you go for the sa pick right dwight mcneil get a bit of dwight mcneil or, or like Westward in your team if you're feeling really ambitious, <laughs> but um, yeah, Newcastle were the other team I was looking at because of the same thing, the same um Sheffield United factor. And again, they they have another easy fixture. They have Wolves who have not really played football for for months now. Although they do seem to just win games, which is sort of weird. um Despite that, they beat Brighton at the weekend two one, which is sort of surprising. And although Wilson is out now, there is opportunity still. I think at least I, I don't necessarily want to sit here and be like, Almiron, what a great pick. I want to sit here and reignite ASMR. But we watch uh St. Maximan and, and maybe he's like the differential that you want. Or maybe um Richie. I almost called him Shane Richie, but that's a singer. <laughs> maybe you want Richie in your team Matt Richie in your team because he has some really weirdly good underlying stats where he puts in like the fourth best cross he's like the fourth best crosser in the league. And although with Wilson's out, that's that's a shame. And, and Wilson's obviously quite an elite finisher. I think there's opportunity still at the team. I just don't know who. And I, I genuinely am saying this. I think Matt Ritchie, if he's a defender, and I'm a bit nervous that he isn't actually in the game as a defender, I think Matt Ritchie could be an absolutely astronomically good uh, differential for the last two game weeks. Um, so, yeah, still options at Newcastle, although far fewer and further between. Um, a bit like Burnley, to be honest, who
0: also worth targeting for similar reasons, in my opinion. I mean, I'm sorry to, to burst your bubble there, but Matt Ritchie is in as a 4.9 midfielder. Oh, I knew that. I knew <laughs> that was the case. That's so upsetting. Um, there's still opportunity. I think looking forward now to, to the final couple of games, as I touched on earlier, of double game week, triple game week, 35. Aston Villa versus Everton. We've had the lineups announced. You've got Coleman and DCL confirmed playing. I've got DCL as well in that one. Aston Villa, without the likes of Ollie Watkins, of course, sent off for diving or simulation in the game against Manchester United when he tried to win a penalty towards the end of that game. He will not be featuring... In the game against Everton this evening but it will only be I believe it might have been a second yellow card so it will only be a, a one game ban for him and he will be back in contention in game week 36. The, the breaking news as it were is that a certain Jack Grealish finds himself back among the bench for Aston Villa. He's not starting this evening there's absolutely no doubt that we will uh, see yeah, maybe a 20-30 minute cameo from him. You were talking at length before we started recording that Grealish is perhaps someone that you might be looking at bringing in your team for for the last couple of games. Although Aston Villa do have a bit of a uh, tricky fixture running.
1: Yeah, they do. Well, well, you say tricky, but it is just Spurs and then a Chelsea team who may be throwing the game as per Tuchel <laughs> does these days to to prepare for a cup final. I think that. Yes, Grealish is good. And, and and he sort of still is up there for midfielders, despite missing almost half the season now. I think that I might do it. I, I'm. This is very personal now, but obviously my move is to potentially probably go Havertz to Mahrez. But I don't know if that's necessarily a long term move. And if Jack Grealish is playing and if Jack Grealish, Grealish is guaranteed 90 minutes week in, week out, and he's got a couple of games to make himself uh, available to Gareth Southgate, I think it's almost a no-brainer and I think getting Grealish in for the last couple of games might be another really shrewd move or at least at the very least something to think about it's just so quality and I think Aston Villa were well I mean they beat Liverpool 7-2 man Jack Grealish is almost fixture proof in the way that he plays there's not much more to be said about that and, and the reason he's fixture proof is because he's world class he's one of the best players in the league he might not be when he comes back from injury but I'd be willing to take that punt early days early doors if if Mares looked like he wasn't going to play as many minutes if if I don't go for him and, and whatever pun I do go doesn't work out or, or even just moving Jota up to him there's definite again opportunity here to to make up some ground in in your mini leagues, because that's ultimately what I'm also trying to do now, where I can't catch you, Jack. You're you're literally 100 points ahead of me now. It's it's absolutely such a shame um, that it's not competitive, the winner of our league. However, there's a battle for top two going on at the moment, where I have caught up the chap in second by about 80 points already. The gap is just down to about 20 points, with me having plenty more players left to play this week. The time is now for big differential picks to catch your mini league Uh, rivals to to finish ahead of people that you want to finish ahead of.
0: And these are the sorts of moves I'm considering uh, to do that. Fair enough, mate. I mean, you've got bigger cojones than than I will ever have if you're going to take a punt on on Jack Grealish. you recently returning from injury, Jack Grealish. I don't think he will be found anywhere near my team over the last couple of game weeks and I mean maybe this is a bit of a double bluff maybe I'm just sort of trying to throw you off the scent um so that you bring in Jack Grealish and I just copy your transfer but I don't know mate who who knows I think we'll move forward now and have a chat about a big game that is currently still scheduled to go ahead yeah we've got to do some work to to stop this chat come on I don't want to stop it mate I want to have this game in the books done and dusted man united versus liverpool we both have Fernandez captain. It's, I mean, it's looking likely that he'll start. Of course, he will. You know, he's he's a big game player and he loves to blank in big games. But what he also loves to do is score penalties. He was in amongst the action, scoring a penalty in that first game against Aston Villa. But the Liverpool side tonight, we've not had any of the lineups released. But I think there are opportunities here for both sides. I think Man United have a have a good chance here because Liverpool. It's looking likely that Liverpool are going to be playing the likes of Nat Phillips and the other youngster at the back this evening because, of course, Ozan Kabak picked up a bit of an injury. Uh, Reese Williams is going to be filling in, potentially. We don't really know too much about the, the starting lineups. Of course, Diogo Jota was originally named on the bench in the fixture as it was scheduled to be taking place. Whether or not that changes this evening is yet to be seen. I think you hit it very much on the head earlier when you mentioned that Liverpool really have to go for it to keep their European football hopes alive what are your predictions for this one is it is it still very much a, a bit of an up in the air affair as it were like like it was when we discussed this a couple of weeks back
1: no absolutely not this this for me is a massive Liverpool thrashing uh, of of United and I just really can't see it going any other way there Liverpool have so much to play for. They have a class manager, a class team, and they're all well-rested. United have nothing to play for. I know that they're professionals and they're competitive, and especially when it's Man United versus Liverpool, they'll want to kill them. But they're tired. Whether they like to admit it or not, they're tired. They're missing Maguire through injury. Rashford is always on the edge of injury. Bruno is always tired, but never. in a a way that Kane also does like the elite footballers like to pretend they're not tired when they are right for me it's going to be uh hopefully a good game but I'm I'm genuinely really really sure it's going to be a big Liverpool victory because of everything that surrounds it the the things I've already mentioned and the general feeling at United as well where they're a bit there the glazes stuff is happening the, the not the riots the protests are happening there's a I don't know. I I really do feel that just sort of um, everything lines up to say Liverpool big big Liverpool victory this evening. They're, they're just class. They are they are on their day a far far better team than United, and I think that everything today uh, surrounding like the context of the game gives them a bigger advantage too. So for me, uncontested Liverpool win. Why? Do do you have a, do you have a differing opinion? I'd love to hear it.
0: I I mean I honestly think that it's going to be a lot closer than we think. We've seen in the past, you know, as I mentioned, Bruno Fernandez loves to disappear in big games. Um, he does, of, of course, pop up with the penalty here or there in in these big fixture clashes. But when you look at Man United as well and, and how they have fared against the so-called Big Six side so far this season there have been quite a few nil nil draws I'm not going to say that this one will be nil nil because I think that there will be goals and I think as you say Liverpool do have everything to play for if they want to try and force their way into the Champions League for next season so no doubt there will be a very very strong lineup from Liverpool I'm hoping and expecting that Jurgen Klopp goes with that attacking front four of Firmino, Jota, Salah and Mane and really goes for the throat against Man United but uh I just think that Man United, they're on the up. Yes, they got beat by Leicester, but I mean, they are pretty much secure in that second place. And maybe, as you say, they don't have a lot to play for, but I don't think that that means that they'll lie down. I think on the flip side, you know, we talk about the Liverpool defenders. Of course, Harry Maguire picking up an injury in the first game of the triple game week did mean that he was out against his former side in in Leicester. I mean, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came out after the game and said if Maguire was fit and available, he would have played. And I think that Maguire... Although at times he looks a bit shaky, he does definitely reassure that Man United back line. And again, you know, it's it's two teams who have got defensive injuries and who are both very attacking. I've seen some rumoured lineups suggesting that Greenwood will start on the bench, which again, I would be more than happy to see considering I don't own him. But I do think that Greenwood adds a different dimension to that Man United side. I think Liverpool defenders trying to mark... Edison Cavani, if he does start as well, he could be a very, very prevalent threat throughout the entire evening. Um, so I honestly think that this is going to be a lot closer than you think. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fair enough point. Honestly, um,
1: these are just opinions and we're allowed to have different sort of views on how the game will pan out. And honestly, Jack, I can't I can't wait until one of us is proved right. <laughs> I can't wait until next week or probably just five hours, like in five hours time where, where it's like, it's a close game and you're texting me like see where's the thrashing or it's 4-0
0: and I am just trick. there's definitely going to be a moment in time later this evening after the game is you know maybe even at half time or, or at full time there's definitely going to be an I told you so message from either me to you or you to me I know it's, it's perfect isn't it that's, that's actually why I like football <laughs> I really do like that sort of stuff now like when you're predicting
1: that Bournemouth and then uh, Sheffield United in, in subsequent years will, will get relegated <laughs>
0: It's the sort of thing that you can just bring up occasionally. It's not like you talk about that a lot to me on a, on a regular basis anyway. I think we will uh, move on now to talk about Game Week 36 and, of course, the blank Game Week 36. Now, a lot of us FPL managers heavily loading up on the likes of Man United assets on the likes of Chelsea assets as well. It's, it's put us in a bit of a tricky spot for Game Week 36, shall we say, as we know that there, that there are four teams who are blanking. That's Arsenal, Chelsea... Man United and Leicester. Again, Leicester are a team that we all, I think everyone, and their dog has Ian Acho on the team. And if they don't, they're not playing it properly. Mendy as well in goal for both of us. I mean, Ralph Hasenhutel talking about how he wants to have, you know, two games rotation between his goalkeepers, and what I think me and a lot of People on social media are hoping is that that penalty save has maybe given Forster the extra game over McCarthy because there are three games left. Three doesn't divide by by two, so you know I'm, I'm hoping that Forster will potentially play in this game against Fulham. um Again, that's a very very big stretch that that he will play, but I'm hoping that that he will play. We we'll run through some of the fixtures anyway. Newcastle versus Man City, as we have talked about, is the first game Friday evening, eight o'clock. Then we go. Into Saturday, Burnley host Leeds, Southampton host Fulham and then Brighton take on West Ham at the Amex. And then on Sunday, Crystal Palace host Aston Villa Spurs will take on Wolves. West Brom will welcome Liverpool and of course Everton taking on Sheffield United. Now, I don't know about your team. I haven't had a look at your team, but how many players do you have who are not blanking? Well, I've got five blanking, uh, six if you include the goalkeeper
1: issue as well. Um however that might become four uh, and and therefore ten playing outfield players. It'll become more <laughs> if I go for this move that I'm looking at, which is to get rid of Havertz, who obviously isn't playing, get rid of Inacho who isn't playing, and um, bring in Bamford and um Mares or, or Foden, depending on how I feel. That would cost a hit and it would give me, yeah, ten players. Ten playing outfield yeah, no, ten players in total, actually, sorry. Um, assuming that Forster starts, I think. I'm just trying to count, Jack. I'm, I'm all over the place here. What's going on? <laughs> no, yeah, it would it'd give me a full squad. Anyway, that would give me a full 11. Um, I'd require Veltman to play, though, in order for that to happen, which is sort of what's confusing me with the maths here, because I'm half counting him and I'm half not counting him. I've got rounding errors, Jack. Um, <laughs> I, I'm interested in this because obviously that's what I'm doing. I'm taking basically a hit to get in Mares and to get in Bamford. I think that that's okay. I think taking a hit for an attacking player Especially when they've got a fixture that's like Newcastle, or well, or they're just a good team, like Leeds. To be honest, I think I think those are the good sort of hits that you take for like attacking players with a high ceiling and a good fixture. I'm not going to personally take any hits for defenders. It's it's. I've seen that Veltman's injured. Cool, that's just him getting a zero. Thanks for being in the team, buddy. That's no attacking returns. Conceded a couple of goals. You know, um, the same for, for for any other player that you could bring in. It's very hard to predict clean sheets, especially amongst. Amongst uh, cheaper defenders from sort of like shakier teams, you just have to play them sort of throughout the season when you own them and and hope that you're hitting the right times, like Martinez, right, who gets clean sheets against teams like Arsenal and and doesn't get clean sheets against sort of the worst teams in the league. The issue that I have is that the Mendy Forster situation is one that I'm struggling to sort of work out and calculate, and it's probably something that you will also want to weigh in on, where I'm also hoping that Forster has earned himself a start. Just one more start is all I beg, man. Just one more. <laughs> I don't think that any goalkeeper I could bring in would guarantee getting more than two points for me. Um, I think that's insane to sort of say that you can sort of predict who's going to get clean sheets. Although I very successfully predicted that Sheffield United would keep a clean sheet against Newcastle United earlier in the season when we were on our three hits, if you remember that. And I got Ramsdale in for a nine, um, the one time I've only ever owned him. And... uh I'm personally going to stick with Mendy, hope that Forster plays, and then I'm pretty confident now, based on Kepa playing already against Arsenal in the warm-up for the FA Cup games, that Mendy will get Leicester and Aston Villa in preparation for the Champions League. So I'm going to take that, I'm going to take my goalkeeper who plays for a really good defence and saves penalties, and I'm going to keep him and just hope that Forster comes in as cover, because I don't think it's worth the hit in the other direction um how are you shaping up how do you feel about hits I've gone through a lot there of content how do you feel about taking hits what plans have you got and are you doing the same with the goalkeepers
0: well I, I think certainly I agree with the fact that you know it's silly for me I, I think it, if I was in a situation where I had maybe nine or ten players playing and I could potentially make a couple of transfers and afford to take a hit on bringing in a goalkeeper that I knew would start then I would maybe do it but given the fact that Currently, as it stands, including Veltman, I've got eight players in my team. So Veltman looking very much unlikely to be playing against West Ham in their fixture on the weekend. Knocks it down to seven. The one thing that I sort of teased you about before we started recording and something that I want you to to try and do here and convince me that it's a bad decision. Nick, please convince me that it's a bad decision to take a minus eight. Oh, I am actually going to say to you what is the minus eight that you have planned so it's 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 something that I've been sort of toying with and again you know hits for defenders certainly in a blank game week it's very much a a risk reward situation I've certainly been looking at getting rid of Ian Acho not only based on the fact that he blanks but also you know as we've talked about earlier Leicester's fixtures and yes Ian Acho is in the form of his life but their fixtures do take uh, they're, they're, they're a bit difficult for Leicester at the end of the season so it would be a, a positive move in that respect. And and I'd probably drop Ian Acho for someone like Mikhail Antonio. I mean, Bamford may be back in the in the mix as well, given the, the fixture runs. But I think that there are a couple of good mid-priced striking options who have a relatively favourable fixture run. So it could either be Antonio or Bamford. I think Mount as well. Um, he's been fantastic in my team when I have owned him, but I don't know about that Chelsea attack. Um, they looked a bit lacking against Arsenal, although Mount did have his chances and Chelsea had chances towards the end of the game as well, but Mount would potentially drop out of the team. I was fully set on bringing in Rafinha because I just think that Rafinha is a fantastic talent. There are, you know, I think Bielsa came out and said something along the lines of, you know, it's it's difficult for players to play games when they've just come back from a relatively long time on, on the sidelines. And I think very much he was sort of hinting towards Rafinha there. And it's, again, putting maybe a bit of a doubt in my mind about whether or not Rafinha will start in their game against Burnley. I think certainly, again, we've seen it with Rafinha over the entire course of the season Uh, since he has been at Leeds. He is just an animal. Um, He loves to get forward. He loves taking shots from outside of the box. He loves playing in the ball over the top to the likes of Bamford as well. Um, Got the assist uh, after coming off of the bench um, against Spurs for Rodrigo. And then you mentioned not taking hits for defenders. And my question to you is, is it really taking a hit for a defender if you go from Rob Holding to Stuart Dallas? Because you think that Stuart Dallas is a midfielder. I don't think. I know he is. He is John Lundstrom. I've said it over the last two, three months. Stuart, I I still can't believe, right, the fact that I got rid of him on my wildcard because Leeds had those tricky runner fixtures, they played three of the top six back to back to back. And then, you know, Leeds got two draws and a win against City, and Dallas scored both goals in that win against City. I still can't believe I got rid of him. He is the top scoring defender in the game. He loves running forward. Leeds, as I mentioned earlier, have got a very, very, let's be honest, favourable fixture run in Burnley, Southampton, and then, of course, finishing the season on the final day against West Brom, already relegated West Brom. And I get it, right? I understand that taking a hit for a defender is a bit of a risk because, you know, it could backfire and, you know, Dallas only picks up two points. But then, at the end of the day, it's only really then a a two-point hit, surely. Because when you consider the fact that I would be bringing him in for Rob Holding, who wouldn't be playing, it's an extra two points I'm getting. So, effectively, it's only a two-point hit, right? Well, sometimes, obviously, defenders can can score less than two. Which
1: happens regularly in my teams. You'd be
0: surprised. Yeah, I, I understand that. See, that's, that's that's the thing, right? If they weren't coming up against a Burnley side with a very in-form Chris Wood, let's not forget about the fact that Chris Wood, I think, you know, he scored eight goals in his last eight games, and in that period, he's averaged something like 8.6 points per game. It's, it's insane. Yes, a lot of that is weighted by the fact that he had that amazing hat-trick against Wolves, but... I still think Chris Wood, on his day, can give that Leeds defence a lot of trouble. But Dallas, going forward, I just, I just think he's, he's so good.
1: I, I think he's good. And if you are going to take a hit to get someone in, then like he's not a bad option. You could, you could also get really wild with it if you're feeling brave and, and go for one of the old City players. But uh, do you know what? If you're going to break the rule, break it for your favourite Texan City, right?
0: <laughs> That's what I
1: always say. If you're going to break the rules, break, break them for Dallas, Jack. I, I'm i not going to talk you out of it. I love the sound of it. I love the moves you're making. Uh, I don't know, actually, if you've got a lot to play for. I know that you've certainly won the mini leagues that we're in together quite comfortably now. If you If you're chasing something or if you're chasing a good finish, then just go for it, man. Make
0: those moves. Honestly, right? So I had the holding clean sheet from yesterday in the Arsenal game, and I was sort of half relieved but also a bit annoyed... If you're in FPL, you know, you're constantly swiping on the notifications, trying to figure out who is picking up the assist or the goal as soon as you can. And then you see Pulisic with the goal and Mason Mount in my team not being involved in that goal. And it was a bit of a bittersweet moment, as it were, because I was happy that it did get chalked off because then Rob Holding pulled through and got me uh, a clean sheet and and a bonus point as well. But I I looked at my team. I mean, my game week rank at the moment is 71,000 my overall rank, which I am, I mean, I've based, I jumped up 80k this week so far, and I've still got, you know, six players, six, seven players left to play this evening. I'm at, I'm at 151k. And that this is where now it's, you start getting a bit more fruity, as it were, with your transfers. And, and, you know, there are a lot of points to be gained. I don't know, this is what I'm saying. I wanted, I wanted someone to try and talk me out of it. But it seems as if you're egging me on to potentially try and catch me
1: oh well i'm not trying to catch you jack i'm so far behind that i i think you could take you could take 50 points worth of hits and still stay pretty comfortably ahead of me but i'm egging you on because crack crack the top 100k it's what we aim for at the beginning of the season uh the way that it's gone i unfortunately had such a bad run in in sort of between game weeks uh 20 and sort of 32 or something that it sort of ruined my season to be honest doesn't mean you can't do it man Make those moves. Go for Dallas. You'll only regret it if you don't and he does pop off, you know? Yeah, I will, won't I? I will. And, that, and that's the truth. Like, if you're playing the game, the, 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 you'll have the most fun by going for these crazy punts. I, I've enjoyed owning Havertz, despite him sort of blanking. And, and yesterday he missed a basically an open goal. Like, he was rubbish yesterday. I've enjoyed owning him because he's, he's kind of fun to watch. He's exciting and... Uh he's he's had some big hauls. He's gone for a 10 and a 16, and he's like my big differential. Like we had a lot of fun owning Jota early in the season when he was a cheap Marne, you know. Half-price Marnay. He still is. He still is a half-price and He's got all the fixtures. And um Dallas is your man, and I think you should stick with Dallas. Go with him all the way to the end, Jack. Ride him out. Ride him out. Ride <laughs> him out. Ride the season out. Ride the season out with Dallas. Um and to anyone listening who's thinking about sort of taking punts or going for their favourite players weigh it up weigh it up versus what you have to play for whether it's important to you and and how much fun you'll get if you do get in a player that you quite like or has been sort of your talisman this season and uh they have a lot of potential to propel you
0: up the ranks in a way that's sort of quite satisfying i couldn't have said it better myself i mean i think on 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 that note it's a perfect place to end and the only thing the only sour note really about stuart dallas is the fact that you know next season He's going to be a midfielder. He's going to be overpriced, maybe 6.57 million. I, I, I would love to see him come in at 6 million, but I doubt it in that lead side, considering the way that he's performed. So I think that FBO are going to massively overprice him uh, next season. Although, as a midfielder, I mean, if, you know, if he's popping up, what, he's got eight goals so far this season and, and I think three assists. So if he's outputting that next season, maybe pushing on, on 10 goals or so, maybe he could be worth it at six six 6.5. So who knows? Who knows? Nick, once again, thank you very much for for joining me this week. It's a pleasure
1: as always.